Welcome to Max and Murphy here on WBAI 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. She's going to be joined momentarily by Jarrett Murphy from City Limits here for another great show on New York politics. Today, uh, we are under three months to go from primary day in June, June 22nd, and early voting starts even sooner on June 12th. So we're really entering the stretch run here in the New York City elections of 2021, which will include election of a new mayor, of course. But there are many other races that will be on the ballot from mayor to controller, public advocate, the borough presidencies and all of the city council. There's also a very interesting race for Manhattan district attorney, which is not technically a city seat. It's a state seat, but it's on this cycle as well. Brooklyn District Attorney 2, although Eric Gonzalez, the incumbent, is running for re-election and looks like he'll win easily. But in Manhattan, the District Attorney, Cy Vance, is not seeking re-election, and there's a crowded and competitive race to replace him. So a lot on the ballot, for Democrats at least, and some Republican primaries as well, coming up in June, especially one that looks interesting for the mayoral nomination among Republicans. So a lot happening here. We've been talking with all the main candidates for New York City mayor, the leading candidates. Uh, and we've also talked with the candidates for New York City controller in the Democratic primaries. And now we're turning back today to some of the key issues that will be at play in the election and a very central one in this year's elections. And that is the issue of housing. So we will be talking about housing for much of today's show. In just a little bit, we're going to be joined by two great guests to talk about issues related to housing and homelessness. Rachel Fee of the New York Housing Conference and Raisa Rodriguez of the Citizens Committee for Children in New York City. So we'll have two guests coming up in just a little bit to talk about issues of housing and homelessness. And these are experts. These are advocates who will be speaking with us about what the next mayor should have on their agenda when it comes to housing and homelessness issues. So we're looking forward to that conversation in just a little bit. Between now, as we sit here at the very end of March and the primaries in June, we're on once a week for an hour, of course, uh, but we're dedicating the show to interviews with candidates for some of the uh, leading offices. And we're talking about central issues in the campaign, what the next mayor, the next city government will need to wrestle with. We might look at some of the races we haven't looked at yet in terms of the borough presidencies and some of the key city council races coming up. But um, we are focused mainly on the show so far about the citywide races of mayor and controller and uh, talking with the candidates in the Democratic primaries for both. You can find all those past interviews uh, at Max and Murphy, wherever you get your podcasts or uh, at the Gotham Gazette website or City Limits website, or if you prefer at the WBAI archives as well. Um, so in just a couple minutes, we're going to be joined by two great experts to talk about housing and homelessness issues in the city, what should be on the agenda of the next mayor, how they and their organizations and their coalitions are trying to impact the policy agenda of the next city government led by the mayor, but also including a number of other office holders that are being elected this year and a whole new city council. Uh, and so we're going to talk about those issues. Before we bring on our guest, Jared, when, we, when it comes to housing and homelessness, uh, this is obviously a subject area that city limits uh, covers better than anybody and closer than anybody. What are some of the key pieces of the puzzle here that you've been 
covering or that you're thinking about, um, you know, as we look ahead to the next mayor and the next uh, city government? Well, it's interesting to see, and it will ask our guests how this issue has evolved. It obviously was an issue that was a big part of Mayor de Blasio's run for the mayoralty back in 2013. Uh, a kind of central part of his first year in office was unveiling this housing plan, which he did. Um, you know, how much the ball has moved since then, whether candidates are talking about numerical targets. And the big thing is, you know, whether people are moving beyond the kind of uh, compartmentalizing of this issue of talking about affordable housing on one hand and NYCHA public housing on the other and homelessness on the third, if you had three hands, uh, and home ownership somewhere out there too, um, or talking about it as sort of one big topic, which it obviously is. I think there's been a lot of move toward that, but it's interesting to see just how much uh, in step with that the candidates uh, have been for mayor. Um, and, you know, I think mayor is obviously one of the primary offices that affects housing. Others do too. And let's welcome now to the program our two guests who'll be talking about housing and homelessness and the 2021 campaign. They are Rachel Fee, who's the executive director of the New York Housing Conference, which organized and authored the recent United for Housing from the Ground Up report, which is helping to shape this topic this year. And Reza Rodriguez, who's the associate executive director for policy and advocacy at the Citizens Committee for Children in New York City. Welcome both to Max and Murphy. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. And why don't we start with the state budget? Obviously, that's very much the topic du jour um, with potential impacts on the issues both you guys work on every day. Rachel, what are you watching in terms of this budget and what is coming down the pipeline that you can see? So the first thing that is top of mind for us at the New York Housing Conference is making sure that this $2.3 billion in rent relief that came from the federal government that we have been advocating for for more than a year now is actually distributed and that Albany is not making the same um, mistake twice, right? They've already set up a rent relief program that didn't get aid to the renters and landlords that need it. So, um, you know, the terms of this program are caught up in the budget negotiations right now. And we're really hoping that it comes out the other end and is a program that is easy to access and that, um, you know, really aids these renters who are at risk of eviction. And in New York, we have 1.1 million renter households who are potentially at risk of eviction. As of January, they owe $2 billion in rent. And in terms of that pool of money, do you see it being uh, distributed exclusively to tenants? Is there some landlord relief in there? How does it how does it divvy up in terms of tenants versus landlords? So the terms of the program are actually set in the um, by the federal government in in the recent relief bills that we've seen. So um, it should be um, a program that both tenants and landlords can access. And that, and we're hoping that it ends up that it's one that both um, tenants and landlords can get paid directly. Um, some of that is still in question in Albany. Um, so again, we just really want it to be a program that works. We don't want to have to go back to the drawing board on this. It's emergency rental assistance. So I, I really hope that lawmakers in Albany um, treat it with the urgency it deserves. We have an eviction moratorium, you know, ending soon. So a lot is at stake. The other issues we're following in Albany um, are public housing. Um, both the Assembly and the Senate put in $750 million 
$100,000 for capital for NYCHA. There's also um, a revenue proposal for NYCHA. So we all know those resources are desperately needed with the $40 billion backlog. And then there's also some agreement between the Assembly and Senate on ongoing rental assistance. So that would do a lot to um, aid our homeless crisis in New York um, City and across the state. But the terms of the program, um, their ideas for the terms of the program differ. So I think that one is a real wait and see if it makes it through the budget. And Ray, I'm assuming that latter element is, is very much on your mind as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Um, we are closely aligned with all of, of what Rachel is walking through. Um, CCC is a lead organization in the Family Homelessness Coalition, and we've been looking for ways to, to really solve the issue of family homelessness even before COVID. We knew housing instability for families with children was a, a significant crisis for New York. We're even much more worried now as a result of the pandemic. Um, when we look at data, for instance, um, in terms of the number of, of households that are struggling to make the rent, we are deeply concerned. Approximately one out of every three households report not being able to pay last month's rent. And that number is much, much higher when you ask about their confidence for making next month's rent. So this is a real opportunity to harness, you know, an unprecedented amount of resources at the table. We want to make sure we use it wisely. We want to make sure that we use it for things that what we know works um, to combat and prevent family homelessness. And that essentially is rent assistance. So all that we can do to make the, the funding flexible and actually reach those who are most in need um, is, is what's required. So bringing it back to the city and the housing issues at play in the 2021 campaign, I wonder if you both could help me and our listeners get a sense of where are we now on the issues of housing and homelessness, which obviously are really two sides of the same issue, versus 2013, because, you know, those issues were, were very prominent in that campaign. We were, you know, learning about the rise of homelessness from our Bloomberg. Obviously, toward the end of that year was the New York Times series about Dasani Coates and her family's struggles in the shelter system. Obviously, affordable housing was very much on the table then with the mayor uh, at that point of being a candidate, promising a, a massive plan to build it. Um, what has happened since then, how are we in a different place or are we in the same place? Raisa, let's start with you. How would you describe the evolution of homelessness as an issue confronting the city over the past seven years? Sure. I mean, I think the first I, I, I need to call attention to the fact, you know, one of the things that we always try to do is point to the fact that um, the crisis in homelessness is very, is very much one that impacts families with children, um, that is very much... Um, an issue of, of racial justice, right? I mean, we're not here by accident. We're here because of a, a long history of, of systemic racism that results in, in, in black and brown households being disproportionately housing insecure, right? Um, you know, I think over time what we've seen is, um, you know, different policy attempts to curb uh, the number of those in, in homeless shelter, um, right now, with the eviction moratorium, we've seen um, some, you know, decline or, or a, a, a temporary fix, if you will, and an increase of, of those seeking shelter. Having said that, 
we know that recovery is going to take, you know, a long time, especially for those who are most at risk of homelessness. So I think, you know, even if what the numbers show us is that there have been a decline in the number of families with children in the system right now, I think time will tell whether that's a trend that will hold, right? Um, as the eviction moratorium is lifted and as, as a whole, households try to recover from this unprecedented time. And Rachel, how about you? You've obviously been active in this issue for a long time, too. You were there in 2013. You saw the conversation then. Uh, Mayor de Blasio spent a lot of time, money, and political capital on housing. Did anything change or improve? Is, is it a different situation we're facing today? What do you think the landscape looks like? So I think the pandemic has really underscored the importance of affordable safe, decent housing that every New Yorker deserves. I think we're seeing a real shift in New York's convert, you know, New York's right to shelter with a new conversation around a right to housing. And I think, like Grace was saying, um, there's new attention to racial justice in housing policy. Um, we see disparate impact for households in shelter, living in public housing, um, and I think there's just much more attention and, you know, connecting the dots between these issues. So housing was a big issue in the last election, but I think we also have a bit of a reaction to how it was handled under the de Blasio administration. Um, you know, there was a lot of um, fighting over rezonings. Um, I think engagement in public housing wasn't where it needed to be. And, you know, we had still very different, you know, separate treatment of three housing issues, which are all housing issues, public housing, affordable housing supply and homelessness. Right. They were all kind of siloed in this administration. So part of what we've been looking at in this United for Housing campaign, um, which you mentioned, um, was really trying to connect the dots on those issues, really thinking about how do we look at investment and solving problems, not just, um, you know, investment in a unit, but, you know, what does affordability of that unit need to look like? Um, can we be more thoughtful about location, about impact, and also about outcomes? Um, we've spent a lot of time thinking about how to measure success in the next housing plan and what that should look like. So I think that we have set a higher bar for the conversation on affordable housing with this set of candidates. It's not just about um, how much you will invest, but, you know, kind of what your housing plan will look like in terms of um, addressing silos in government and also really getting to these underlying issues of systemic racism in housing. And I think the good news is that we have a lot of consensus among the candidates, number one, on investment. So um, the eight top candidates have all agreed to United for Housing's ask for $4 billion in annual capital investment in housing, and that's doubling what we have right now. And they've also agreed to adopt our um, guiding principles that, you know, underpin our report, um, centering NYCHA, connecting um, the dots on housing affordability and investment, so looking at deeper affordability, um, dealing with housing supply in um, a new way, and also really thinking about um, racial justice across all of those aspects. 
So um, we're really, I think, excited about where the candidates are in what they agree on. Um, and we also know that they want to define themselves around housing because it's such an important issue for voters. So, you know, we're not asking them to endorse our whole plan. We really wanted to put out a framework so that they can also share their ideas and show us how they're thinking about solving homelessness, how they're thinking about engaging with public housing residents, and, you know, what are their thoughts around zoning. And I, I think you see some differences on those issues. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM. This is the Max and Murphy Show. We're on with Rachel Fee from New York Housing Conference and Risa Rodriguez from Citizens Committee for Children talking about housing and homelessness and the 2021 campaign. And, and Risa, as we've all been saying, homelessness and housing are really the same issue. But talk more about the precise connect connection between housing supply, the availability of affordable housing and solving family homelessness, which I know is your main focus. This is the tens of thousands of, of uh, parents with children in the shelter system now. Um, yeah. Is solving that problem purely a housing problem? Is it also about supports? Is it also about attacking some of the systemic stuff going on that's generating that program, that problem? And, and are there ways to ask candidates in a tactile way to do that, how do you how do you gauge whether a candidate is really prepared to not just sort of create more housing for homeless people, which helps, but address some of the root causes? Yes, absolutely. It's a great question. Thank you. Um, you know, I would say the answer is yes and all of the above. Right. I, in the Family Homelessness Coalition, you know, we've organized our policy priorities under three key areas. Um, the first is prevention. We need to do much more at, you know, providing support much early on. There are a wide array of systemic drivers that contribute to family homelessness. Um, yes, housing is a big, affordability, affordability of housing is a big piece of that, but there are other drivers as well. And so providing support much earlier on before a housing crisis um, is critical. The second, the reality is, is that at some time, shelter will be, can be unavoidable. And when that is the case for a family with children, what we want to make sure is that what we have a, is a effective shelter system that is a fully equipped with the wide range of supports that families and children need to succeed. That runs the gamut from recreational services for children, educational supports for children, you know, um, support in job training and other opportunities. Um, and then the last area is, yes, the expansion of affordability and affordable options for families. Um, we need to make sure that all affordable housing projects are truly affordable for those who are most at risk, right? And too often up until now, um, you know, when we look at the new capacity, it's been a matter of, you know, afford affordable to who? and often not affordable enough for the families that are actually making their way into shelter. So it, it is definitely an important piece. I would say it's not the only piece. Um, and we've been really calling attention to the need to um, solve the issue of family homelessness through a comprehensive, multi-pronged approach. I think an important example of that, um, you know, I've mentioned already the importance of, of rent assistance, but we also could spend a lot of time talking about the needs of students in temporary housing. You know, when you look at those figures, 
that is an area that, you know, despite maybe progress in other areas, when we look at students in fragile housing situations, that number has continued consistently to be an upward trend. Um, and we know we've had a very difficult, to put it mildly, school year where remote learning and access to necessary support has been incredibly inequitable. That is indeed putting it mildly. And and your mention earlier of the affordable for whom question gets to really essential critique of, of Mayor Bloomberg's housing plan, certainly, but really of Mayor de Blasio's, uh, the income mix that he was presenting to neighborhoods, the question of whether that housing was truly affordable to folks who uh, were living there at the current time. And that's something that people are obviously wrestling with, the question of the income mix that the city's affordable housing plan, however big it is, should be targeted towards. Should we be serving uh, a wide range of, of incomes or should we be focusing our resources on the income groups that seem to need the help most? Rachel, what do you think the answer is there? And has the uh, U of H plan uh, made any kind of uh, prescriptions on that front? You know, I think we're leaving a little bit of room for the next mayor to, you know, shape a plan that meets communities' needs. But we are calling for um, a minimum commitment of deeply affordable units of 8000 a year. And um, we think that that is really the sort of minimum needed to address these most pressing needs around um, homeless families, as Grayson mentioned, um, extremely low-income New Yorkers, supportive housing units, and also those seniors who are on um, fixed incomes and, you know, in, in desperate need of affordable housing. So we've taken, you know, a, a approach of a, a minimum um, investment in extremely low-income housing units that we want to see and then kind of left it for the next mayor to um you know, kind of have their own ideas on, on what that mixed income part might look like. Um, I think today with President Biden's infrastructure plan, um, I think the next mayor is going to have a real partner in Washington on these issues. That plan has $213 billion for housing um, and, and a commitment to build um, or to support a, a million um, affordable rental units. And so I think you know, a lot of those choices you saw around income levels in the previous housing plan were really um, to hit a high production unit number because there was a promise made of, you know, a, a certain number of units in a housing plan. And and then it was because it was a resource-constrained environment. So there was only, you know, so far that will go. So I, I do think um, this next mayor will have much more scrutiny on who the mayor is building for, um, what affordability looks like, where the units are located. But I do think with, um, you know, a very good likelihood of significant resources from Washington, it'll actually free up a lot of room to make some good choices. Right. So one of the sort of major housing headlines of the past year has involved homelessness, but a different population than the one that that you mainly focus on. That was about single adults and the the you know kind of harrowing saga of the Lucerne Hotel and opposition from the neighborhood and a lot of strange moves by the mayor. Um, what impact has the focus on that homelessness population of single adults had on people's understanding of the larger 
problem. Uh, is is it problematic for us to be talking about single adults? Obviously, that is the element of homelessness that has been seeing higher numbers even during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. Are there ways to solve both problems with the same policy? How do we how do we kind of make sure we keep an eye on family homelessness while also addressing the very real but I suppose very different problem of single adult homelessness? Also a great question. Thank you. You know, every time I get this question, um, I I find that it's necessary to call out, you know, the fact that, of course, we can solve the homelessness issue, you know, as a whole. We need to be able to, yes, uh, meet the needs of those who are experiencing homelessness, who are single, who are senior families, who are families with young children, um, our focus as a family homelessness coalition has been on families with children because, you know, pre-COVID, what we saw was, and, and even today, right, while that those numbers have been in decline, um, still the majority of those in shelter are families with children, right? And so we've used our platform to elevate the needs of children in particular and families. Um, but that's not to say that the solutions that are necessary to combat homelessness throughout the city of all forms is not important. I think we need to have, um, you know, a leader that has bold ideas and that can target solutions to the unique needs of, you know, all the different aspects of the crisis. Rachel, public housing, obviously very important. Let's spend a couple minutes on that. Under the de Blasio administration, a lot of fits and starts on that. But basically a plan has emerged under which the entire universe of units, the 178 or so thousand apartments in in NYCHA, will kind of be spoken for in a few different ways, either by using the RAD program, which essentially converts um, buildings to Section 8 and brings in some private money that way, or the blueprint plan, which would create an authority, uh, which would use a different kind of federal voucher to uh, basically pay for repairs and upkeep of the apartments. Two new ways of approaching public housing. Um, They're controversial. I know some mayoral candidates have taken issue with whether they represent privatization. Do you feel as though New York City can get public housing on the right track without using uh, elements like RAD and PACT and the blueprint? Is there is there a way to rely on traditional public housing funding uh, or do we have to embrace some of these ideas that de Blasio has brought forward? I think this is the one area where we're seeing um, the biggest differences between the candidates, as you're saying. So um, it's and it's probably, you know, really one of the most important, important housing issues New York City is facing. I mean, you have, you know, estimates of um, far over half a million New Yorkers living in public housing in really poor conditions. And um you know, I, I think there is agreement across the board that something has to be done. But what that something is, is 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 where people are getting tripped up. So, you know, I think a couple of things are, are, are different also from um, the last election. I mean, one, we have a federal monitor, right? Um, something has to be done or NYCHA will be taken um, under receivership. So that that's the first thing. Um, I think it's really important at this time that... The next mayor is listening to residents, listening to what they want, and really figuring out a way to include them in some of the decisions that are going to be made at City Hall. So, you know, we've really emphasized in United for Housing that um, 
billion annually needs to be committed to public housing and that uh, NYCHA residents have to be given a voice in this process. They need to create a process and, and figure this out. So, um, you know, it's hard to say really what the fate of um, the blueprint plan is going to be. I do think we're going to see some very significant um, public housing funds come out of Washington. Um, we're really hopeful about that. Um, Biden's infrastructure plan has $40 billion. Um, that's for the nation, not just for NYCHA. And $40 billion is what NYCHA needs. So <laughs> I think that shows us that it's, you know, we're probably going to need multiple strategies to get there. Um, but I think we really need leadership. We need a mayor who is going to listen to the residents, make them partners, and create a comprehensive plan. And Rayce, I just want to connect NYCHA and the homelessness issue. I know one decision that Mayor Bloomberg made, very controversial, was to cut off a certain preference that was given to people trying to get out of shelters uh, to get Section 8 vouchers for private rented apartments and NYCHA apartments. Um, that was something that Mayor de Blasio restored. He reopened that doorway uh, to Section 8 and NYCHA for homeless people to some degree, but not as much as advocates wanted. Do you know where that stands? Is there still more the city could be doing with its existing Section 8 and NYCHA resources for homeless families? Yeah, I'm afraid I, I don't have um, too many updates on that front. I would say that you know, to solve the family homelessness issues, we need a, a variety of options. And having a uh, a, a strong and sustainable um, public housing system is an important factor of that. Definitely. You know, one thing that strikes me, Rachel, is that a lot of the de Blasio housing plan, like many of his predecessors, depended on the private market, um, one way or another, across subsidizing apartments, using mandatory inclusionary housing to uh, basically compel developers to include affordable housing as they made market rate units. And obviously, the future of the city's real estate market is a little cloudy because of COVID and what has done to commuting patterns and a lot of other factors. If you're a mayoral candidate, which I know you're not, um, how <laughs> much do we? How much do we not yet know? about what the housing market's going to look like and how much does that uncertainty maybe introduce some uncertainty in terms of the housing proposals you can make? Do you think that there are huge question marks that, that we need to have resolved before we can make a, a formal plan? Um, Jared, there are huge question marks for sure. Um, you know, and, and I think probably some opportunities too. Um, I think we don't really know um you know, how, how office workers are going to return, you know, what, who's going to be continuing to work at home, what the office space needs look like. Um, you know, I think we're really hoping for New York City's um, economy and, and success as a world-class destination that tourist, tourism comes back in full force. But I think we also are going to see a number of hotels um, in financial distress um, trade hands. And so some of those may be suitable for um, conversion to housing, the same with these empty office spaces. But I do think we're still, you know, kind of understanding what those opportunities might be. Um, and I think you're right in terms of the broader um, market. Um, past mayors have relied on the private market to, um, you know, create new rental housing and have some set aside for affordable housing. Um, and I think they're going to have to think really creatively about, um, you know, is that going to work in the future? What sort of market conditions do they want to incentivize? 
um, and, and, you know, how that will benefit New York. So I think those are some really big questions that are up in the air. So we have just a few minutes left, a couple of minutes left, and we are about 70 some odd days from the primary, obviously several months from the general election for mayor and other offices. I know you both work for nonprofits, so you're not endorsing any particular party, let alone candidate. But I'm curious, if you were uh, a voter who, con- who is concerned about these issues, and obviously you both are, and you had a few minutes with a candidate for mayor, what are the two or three questions you would ask that you think are crucial to understanding whether someone really grasps where the city needs to go on housing, whether it's public housing or homelessness. Rachel, let's start with you. You're in an elevator with a mayoral candidate. What are the questions you feel you actually have to get answered? Well, actually, um, Brace and I have met with mm-hmm. seven of the eight candidates together so far. <laughs> right. um, as part as part of the United for Housing Coalition, um, we've had an, an hour with, with all of the candidates except for Yang, who we're still waiting um, to schedule. Um, so we, we have had some insights, and it's been really interesting um, asking them. I mean, some of my favorite questions were kind of the more personal ones of, like, you know, why is affordable housing important to you? Or, you know, where do you live? And um, how has that shaped your view on housing policy? So I think some of those more personal um, questions have been interesting. And then I've also really been struck by um, asking them how they will make tough decisions. There are always trade-offs in a housing plan. I mean, you spoke to some of them earlier, Jared, of you know, deeper affordability, um, right, or, or more units is one of them. So asking, you know, how do you approach, how will you approach tough decisions and how will you make those decisions? And I think some of those responses have been really interesting as well. Some are very, take a data-driven approach. Some really think about, um, you know, kind of long-term ben- economic benefits. Um, others say they'll, like, look at key advisors and get input from stakeholders. So that, that's been interesting as well. But, you know, I think really... Um, you know, how like the, the key questions I, I think that voters would should be asking for is really, you know, um, who is your housing plan building housing for? Um, you know, will public housing be a central part? Um, and 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 how will you work with residents to ensure that they have a seat at the table? And then I think really the the third piece of it is, you know, I think one race, race will speak to on homelessness. But, you know, how, how are we going to do better? We have seen an, a significant increase from, you know, the last three mayors on homelessness, one after the other. And if you look at the, the great chart that Coalition for the Homeless publishes, it's just like this escalating line into the sky. Well, we, we need real policies to turn that around. Um, so how will they turn it around would be my, my other question that I think is really critical. And Raysa, for you, what would you ask? Um, yeah, thank you. So at these forums that Rachel was speaking of, you know, I, I've often been recorded saying, uh, first and foremost, I, I come as a child's advocate, right? And so if I had 30 seconds in the elevator with any of these candidates, uh, I would have to simply ask them how are, how would they prioritize the needs of children if they were mayor, right? Um, and more specifically, really calling attention to how they would how they would increase housing security because that is a key um, facet of what children need to be healthy and educated and and safe. 
Well, hopefully we'll get answers on those questions and more. But thank you so much for joining us, Rachel Fee of New York Housing Conference and Raisa Rodriguez of Citizens Committee for Children. Please come back to Max and Murphy soon. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Jarrett. Thank you. And Ben, as we come toward the end of a program and having heard that interview, any reactions, any any thoughts from you? What questions would you ask a candidate for mayor <laughs> on housing? Well, you know, I mean, that was such a great interview and it was it was uh, just in, enjoyable and enlightening to listen to. So well done uh, to you and, and the guests. Um, you. you know, uh, in December, I actually moderated a, a mayoral candidate forum. This was before Andrew Yang got in the race uh, and, you know, there were there were several of the leading candidates there, though, on housing, on NYCHA, and I've watched several others that have been focused on these issues. And, and all the right questions are being asked in terms of what our guests just got at, at the end there. Who are you targeting your affordability towards? How would you tweak the current mayor's plan? Which areas of the city would you seek to build more in and build more affordable housing in? How do you integrate NYCHA into the housing plan? How do you make, you know, how do you prevent homelessness? How do you get people out of shelter and into permanent housing? Um, you know, these are all, all the key questions. And, you know, one of the most interesting parts of the conversation in the mayoral race right now is this, is this, you know, the, this rising expenditure in the city on the shelter system up to over $3 billion a year. How could that money be better spent? Even just that money on things like housing vouchers and preventative measures to keep people out of the shelter system to begin with. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's all all sorts of other debates around what needs to happen at the state and federal levels, of course. And it looks like there's some very strong movement at the federal level in the recently passed American Rescue Plan and then the proposed infrastructure bill that has a lot of housing in it. Um, So there's some interesting movement there. And then we'll see what might come through on on the state budget. Uh, any final thoughts from you on what you heard from the guests? No, I, I second all of that. And I think also this ties in obviously the question of how the city is planned and whether a comprehensive planning system will be in place for the next mayor and how that will affect decisions about where to locate uh, new housing density, new homeless shelters, all of those facilities, uh, which mm-hmm. have been so contentious and, and in many cases so selectively located, especially the affordable housing um, and the rezonings over the uh, de Blasio administration. So have a great week in the greatest city in the world.